You're such an asshole. You don't even want to do a decent intro. No, I don't. I really don't. I'm sick, and I feel like I don't deserve this kind of like nonsense with the whole, hey, let's make a witty intro, because witty intros are stupid. <laughs> I'm so fucking... I hate being sick. This is stupid. You no, I, I empathize. It's unfortunate that you're down with the sickness. Wow. <laughs> It's been a while. So, can you can you just can Yeah 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 let's do this. So welcome to episode twenty-two of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the critical consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gade, and my friend in Florida was feeling a bit under the weather today. This is the one and only one Barkeen. Say hi one. Hi Juan. You got a, you got a chest cold, I think. Probably. I don't know. I had like a little bit of a sore throat originally, and then it turned into like a small bit of coughing, and now it's just like, hey, I have sinuses, and they're awful, and everybody should die. Well, it's appropriate because (laughs) everyone in the movie that we watched was left for dead, abandoned in Scotland. So uh, what movie did we watch, man? This was your pick. We watched Neil Marshall's Doomsday. Well, it, it's actually called Doomsday, but uh, yeah. Doomsday. I'm yeah. sorry, I missed an ad. <laughs> Released in 2008, and as my friend Juan said, directed by Neil Marshall, who's probably best known for his horror film The Descent. Yeah, although he made Dog Soldiers before, which I really want to see just based on the title Dog Soldiers. Yeah, apparently it's a werewolf movie. Which sounds magnificent. <laughs> Now, uh, this was my first experience with the work of Mr. Marshall because, like a jackass, I have not yet seen The Descent. Yeah, jackass is right. And from what I understand, <laughs> this is a great movie, a very, a claust- movie. A very claustrophobic movie that uh, gets a lot of its tension by shooting uh, these women in very precarious, very tight situations with faceless, horrible monsters. This is not what happens in this movie. It isn't at all. No, so Juan, what the fucking shit? What's Doomsday about? Okay, so it's it's a it's a, it's a pretty cool movie split into multiple sections. Uh but it well, basically we'll, we'll, starts we'll argue off that later on whether or not yes. it was cool, but Yeah, whatever. It basically starts off with like a virus spreading through humanity and the government being like, Oh, we're gonna make this giant fucking super cool double door wall and then we're gonna seal it shut with Heat and whatnot, and um, <laughs> heat. We're just gonna. Do you, mean, do you do you mean welding? Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Jesus, we're just <laughs> we're just gonna blast hair dryers at this gigantic foot white steel door and hope that it stays shut. Hope that the miscreants that are infected stay inside Scotland. <laughs> so yeah. Does anybody uh, have any curling irons? Shut the fuck up. At the last minute of... Maybe some very spicy food. At the last minute of this place being sealed off, um, this one woman gives her daughter to the the army and whatever. She gets her eye shot out originally, which leads to her having a very cool eye implant that she can take out and spin around. What? Which leads to her becoming Snake Plissken from Escape from New York. 
Yeah, basically. Which, like, who cares? Because that's awesome. I care and we'll explain in a second. I know, because you're going to bitch about everything. Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, so yeah, fast forward, what, 20-some-odd years? It was... Uh, yeah, it's got to be like 25 or 30 years. Yeah, I want to say like 20 to 20 to 30, somewhere like that. And there have apparently been sightings of victims of the virus in the other place uh, for like the last three years. And now the virus is spreading within the community that has been sealed off. So what does the government do? Send the army into or like send a task force basically into the isolated location to find a cure because obviously if there's people there has to be a cure yes it's it's the basic gist of it it's your it's i don't want to sell this movie short although i invariably will yeah this movie this movie kind of starts off as like 28 days later a jace a bit well it starts off as like most virus movie a jace like become then segues into being a escape from new york a jace and then ends up being like a Mad Max adjacent. And then ends up being like a gladiator. Yeah, with like a smattering of like... And then uh, Mad Max again. <laughs> yeah, there's like... like This becomes like... Uh, this becomes basically a knight's tale for 15 minutes. Yeah, more or less. I'd, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm not crazy about this movie, one. I know you're not, which I don't entirely understand why frankly i feel like i mean we've had this discussion about like drawing from other sources and creating an original or a not so original work before yeah we've had this discussion but here's the thing with things that are like very derivative and this thing doesn't do itself any favors by sort of like wink wink naming some of their characters carpenter and miller carpenter and miller carpenter i laughed and so miller. hard the second i saw i don't that. think i think it's very obvious in our previous episodes that i don't find that shit cute i, I don't do. find that shit funny uh, and i don't find that shit constructive to a good you're movie. so boring but but let's get down to brass tacks uh this is a highly derivative film it feels like a 28 days later but mostly derivative from the works of one john carpenter because when it's not ripping off Escape from New York... It's and George off, Miller, too. And George Miller. But a lot of John Carpenter's DNA in the, is in this. Yeah, and there it's is. It's not like almost directly ripping off Escape from New York. It's ripping off Assault and Precinct 13. Let's uh, see, and, would you say it's ripping it off? Or would you say it's like... I wouldn't say lovingly pulling from it, but like... I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't... See, here's the thing. I wouldn't have so much of a problem with it if there was like anything else there. This is Escape from New York with a female Snake Plissken, but with like knights and cannibal punks, which on, which on paper sounds really dope. Don't get me wrong. But it is dope. But here's the thing with Neil Marshall's direction in this film. So far as I understand, uh, The Descent is a very claustrophobic film. It's, uh, yeah, it, disgustingly it, so. It occupies itself in very, very, very small spaces. Okay? Yes. This movie uh, exists a lot in expanse. It exists out in the open. And Neil Marshall is not quite as as comfortable in the outside, and he's not really that much comfortable with having a lot of money to work with because he got himself like 17 cameras. He got himself <laughs> all sorts of fancy rigs, and all it does at the end of the day is make the footage look cutty and confusing. But I don't is... think it makes it confusing. Nothing about the action scenes are confusing. Yes, I will admit to you that they are choppy, like – there is a lot of cutting 
in the action. Illegibility. Like, no, I disagree. As, as far as like where the body movement is concerned, and like the pacing of the scene and the action that's going on that's being filmed, it kills momentum and robs like clarity and legibility. I wholeheartedly disagree. And just for like basic shit, like a sword fight doesn't need seven <laughs> cuts when you clang a sword. Uh, a car flip doesn't need 17 different angles. It doesn't need it, but I don't think it makes it, it bad. It makes it worse. It makes it worse. I don't think... But see, like, that... By, like, assuming that point of view, you're essentially implying, like, the only good action is action that doesn't have a lot of cuts, and I don't agree with that. It's not... Like, here's the thing. Let's talk about a movie I know we both saw. Let's talk about The Assassin. Oh, God. Fuck The Assassin. Listen. Uh, no, I'm not gonna say fuck the assassin. I just well, you just did. So no, I'm not gonna not gonna speak ill because everyone's gonna be like, <laughs> oh, didn't like the assassin. There are action scenes in the assassin. No, there aren't. There are act. There are fight- there are scenes that pretend to be action scenes. There are martial arts sequences. In no, the they're scenes. not. No, they're not. No, like the fight in the birch forest, man. What the one that was shot from like. A mile away in the listen, forest I and take, vaguely shrouded in the distance. Listen, I will take a fight <laughs> scene that's shot in a wide master where I can see exactly where two people are and what they're doing than something that's been passed through the fucking shredder grinder. Listen, like, why can't we I will go both? on record. I will go on record and say that the slow but clear uh, martial arts sequences in The Assassin are a million times better than... The bursts of action in Doomsday. I don't agree. Because there's something to be said about geographical clarity. There's something to be said about pacing. And some people can do quick cutting to convey action well. We're talking about Tony Scott. We're talking about Michael Mann. We're talking about Neil Marshall here. He's not one of those guys. But he doesn't I don't have, think he doesn't like... have the sort of rhythmic impressionistic sense that a Scott or a Mann has. Okay, I I mean I don't disagree with you that both of these people are better. Which kind of But at the same time I don't think he's bad at what he does. I feel well, like I, it worked out perfectly fine. And I feel like this style even translates a little better to television work that he went to shortly after this and his follow up, which I haven't seen. Well guess what, Jack? This wasn't a TV show. This is a movie. Yeah, but okay, why can't they cross over in certain ways. Well, listen, I mean, in your defense, uh, a, a cutty, crappy action scene would be equally as bad in a movie than on TV. But it's not a crappy action scene. They're perfectly fine action scenes. They keep momentum pretty well. Like, the There's pacing lot- in this movie is pretty stellar. It doesn't feel like it's an hour and 50 minutes at all. It feels... I will say that I, will say that I agree with that. There's a, kind of, there's a kind of barreling momentum that this movie has that's definitely in its favor. But lots of dumbass action movies have barreling forward action. Twelve Rounds with John Cena has a lot of barreling forward action. That's that's a dumb movie. But it has the saving grace of just being very lithe, which this movie has as uh, as well. The biggest mistake of this film is that it's way overproduced. I think he could have done better on a lower budget. But at the same time, I also really like the fact that he was able to create a multitude of worlds within one world, which is what I'd like to segue into right now because you right. disagree with me here. I do. But, um, okay, so essentially the movie is split off into, like, 
a bajillion different, not a bajillion. Okay, like three. multiple. <laughs> yeah. No, there's like technically more than three because there's like, like it depends on what movie it's pulling Get from on at with the time it. being. Sorry, God, fuck you. <laughs> Don't fucking. <laughs> Don't Monty Python me. <laughs> you shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes get on with it uh, okay so it starts off with this military modern day it starts off like scenario. Escape from New York let's, yeah. just say, let's just say when it's, it's literally the beginning of Escape from New York yeah like everything about the aesthetic is straight up Escape from New York there's nothing different it also like right down to the hero with an eye patch and a black tank top yeah, it could also very much go like hand in hand with like stylistically speaking a lot of like Paul W S Anderson films. Uh, I would object to this because Paul W S Anderson has compositional chops and a sense with scale that Neil Marshall does not have. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with you there, but I think speaking just like solely production value. No, because uh, even at that, there's a... They're very similar. No, I mean... I'm sorry, the opening of this movie, like, with the modern-day city and plotting, like, everything about it can very much echo a lot of what Paul W.S. Anderson did in, like, the first Resident Evil argument. Sure, but there's, like, a a pulpiness and a meticulousness in the way that Paul W.S. Anderson constructs that shit that is completely absent here because what this is... What Doomsday is, is hollow pastiche. It is not hollow pastiche. And you know what happens to hollow pastiche when you blow it up in terms of budget and scale? Unless you're like really idiosyncratic and meticulous, it just is dull. It's not dull, though. It's a fun movie. So much about this movie is so entertaining. But anyway, this moves... We move from this scenario to the very Mad Max-like post-apoc universe um yeah it's like a it's like a melding of the of the first three mad max movies yeah which i mean i've only like seen i think one of them i don't remember which one i saw i'm pretty sure it was the road warrior uh (laughs) like you've got an army of cannibal punks who are all survivors of the initial uh virus in scotland and society has devolved they're, uh, the movie is very, very clear to say that there are rapings. It is very insistent on the fact that there's rape going on. But they never show any. Which no, no, they I never appreciate. show any, but they, it, it definitely did happen. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, okay, like most post-apocalyptic movies are very clear about the fact very that there's rapey, rape yes. going on. But like most of them actually show it, and I appreciate that this one didn't. Uh, no, but it does, anyway. have, it does have your fair amount of gratuitous nudity, though. Well, no, not gratuitous nudity. There's only, like, one, like, nude shot, but there's, like, a lot of, like, ass and fishnets and, like, panties. Literal tits and literal asses. Yeah, but, like, okay. There's not a ton. There's a little bit, but you know there's a ton of, though. What? There's a lot of uh, viscera. There's a lot of goo in this movie. There really is. Okay, so my favorite part of this movie is just, like, you don't see this much spatter in, like, in any bigger production I and think i the feel word you're like looking for though is splatter with an l well no buds blood i mean you can use spatter or splatter i feel like they're because splatter conveys like guts spatter just involves us oh there's a little blood here splatter and implies okay like, fair point splatter whatever there's like gore a, a lot of it is practical which i do appreciate 
Yeah. Uh, and what's digital is not really uh, bothersome. It doesn't draw away. Draw yeah, it doesn't to the at fact all. That it's like time. you can tell it's a low budget guy working with something a little bigger. And again, like you were saying earlier, it doesn't always work out. But like I enjoy just how rooted it is in this dude who just genuinely loves genre films making a big budget genre film. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we've talked on the pod before about this kind of movie where it's like pastiche and homage and you need more than just a love of the movies for it to like, it used to be enough, you know, back when we, I first started watching these sort of second level movies, like these like first generation Xeroxes of genre movies. I'm like, right on, I'm all for it. But as time goes on, I'm like, you need more than like a love of the craft to pull this one to decent level you need like actual craft you can't just be like oh remember mad max it's like yeah i remember mad max mad max is dope this movie is not dope i think it's dope i mean i'm not saying there aren't dope moments i mean i appreciate the fact that there's uh that this is a pretty this is a pretty wet movie as far as as, as, as a blood and guts are concerned, but it kind of straddles the line between being wanting to be effective and it wanting to be funny. Like this is not like a brain dead level of. It really is. And it, I, it, like, Oh no, 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 no. It did not reach the like sort of comic levels of, of just geysers of blood and guts that an early Peter well, Jackson jam have. It could never like no very, I don't think any movie nowadays could, well, um, unless you're that. like a unless you're like a deathgasm, or maybe a I guess if you're I guess if you're on TV, maybe that Evil Dead series, that new Evil Dead series. Well, that's true. I'm hopeful for that. I hope it ends up being enjoyable. But anyway, speaking of TV work, which I mentioned a little like for a second earlier, uh, we like when okay, so when we wheel ourselves out of Max, Max territory, we move into like Gladiator and Knight's Tale territory for a you know a hot minute. This is I, I told I, I told Juan that it reminded me of Night Riders, but that's not quite accurate. But I think it has that spirit. I mean, I I don't know. I guess a little bit, but um, it's, it's okay. So they okay. So they get captured by some knights on horseback because uh, suddenly this movie decides it wants to be uh, in the name of the rose or something. <laughs> so, it like slides into a comfortable medieval little area, and like what I find very interesting about this is how the movie shows that not everything in a post-apocalyptic world has to be exactly the same. Like, you know, not everything turns into a desert wasteland. Not everyone becomes cannibals. Some people establish like weird shitty societies. Like it's, it's everything and start from start fresh. It's, it's interesting. And we ended up getting into an, a, a, a tiny argument as well, because Derek believes that these two worlds should have at some reasonable point collided yes. and clashed and there should have been a war between like cannibals and non-cannibals and i no, think no, that no. here's the thing <laughs> okay you have a movie where you have a special ops division like a gang of three or four people coming in from the outside to this weird wasteland where everything's a fucking mario level and <laughs> you have your desert wasteland level for mad max and you have your fucking knight's tale level and you have your uh, you have your uh, death proof level where it's just like you know a car chase. Here's the thing: you have a gang of cannibalistic punk rockers, and they exist in the same country, in the same unwalled area as these knights, and they're both after these same people because they 
themselves exist as a proof that King Malcolm McDowell is a fucking liar and a tyrant, even though it's plenty <laughs> obvious to us. King Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, Malcolm I McDowell, love that. Yeah. And um, no, it would make sense for them to converge and pull the resources together to try to get these motherfuckers. And no, what we get is a is a is a high speed chase, which for and which is you know not great. I loved kind of, it. It's, Fuck you. It's kind of chopped to bits. And, okay, uh, no, the best part of the high speed chase is something that you think is too on the nose, but I think it's right. perfectly fucking in tune with the movie that has been presented to me, which is the entire thing being set to Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Two Tribes. Which would have been dope just, if the second tribe had shown up. Fuck you, no, the other tribe is the survivors. The other tribe is like the three people in the Bond car. Yeah, and that's okay. Oh, uh, no, I mean... <laughs> I this love is the like, Bond car. This, this is like, you know... <laughs> We mentioned the movie Watchmen a lot on this podcast for some reason. We really do. The worst part of Watchmen is the on the nose soundtrack. I like a oh, lot of those. Oh no, songs. I love it. I, I love it. Like I really like uh, like a good portion of those songs. They had no business in that movie. <laughs> Are you sure, Derek? Are you yeah. sure the greatest scene of all time? <laughs> like, listen. You know what would have been better than uh, Hallelujah scoring the scene where Malin no, and Hallelujah is the best. No, no, no. That, if that could have been just generic <laughs> porn funk, and I would have been happy. No, that could Hallelujah have been, was Hallelujah that could have was been necessary. Like, that could have been like an obscure Barquet's instrumental, and I would have been happy. You know? No, Hallelujah was necessary. But like, even like, like I love the soundtrack choices in that movie. Unforgettable for that opening is so good. See, like I think I mentioned this before that the, that gambit works the first couple times because like ah oh, okay, but then they Watchmen's a long movie, so it is. But whatever, I uh, still like it anyway. Um, oh, it, like it pissed me <laughs> off that these that these universes mixed like like water and oil, that they didn't have any business with each other, which is insane. I'm okay with it. I am most definitely not because it just strikes me as a glaring omission of writing. And let me bust out a phrase that I haven't used in a very long time. This screenplay is ass. Oh my god. A few of you will know really? what I'm talking about. Really? We're going to yeah. go with the screenplay is ass? Yeah, the dialogue was not very good, and there's the major missed opportunity of having the entire world, like, sort of, like, had the knights entered the chase on horseback, mm-hmm. that would have made it, like, a million times better. That and less, That and less coverage. I see. So like, here's my thing about. I want to I want to pitch this to you here's, really quickly. Just I want to no, say two on. things about coverage. One thing about uh, coverage. If okay. you're doing a talk, if you're doing a talkie movie, use three cameras. If you're doing okay. a big ass action movie, use three cameras, and use one take. Okay. You were saying. Do wild action movies necessarily need to have good dialogue? Good, Discuss. no. Memorable, yes, because bad dialogue can be good. This was just but flat. I don't. This was just kind of lame. This, it, this was like uh, it's serviceable. It's, it's not bad. It's like Quiffy McGee's first action movie dialogue class. <laughs> I'm gonna pat McGee's. Yeah, action. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> trademark the name Quiffy McGee. Okay, I'm so glad. But uh, um, no, I mean, and this kind of fits in with a, a more general thing about uh, movies that are sensibly ripoffs. 
or or if we're going to use a nicer term, emulate heavily a certain kind of film is that you've got to have a, a kind of scrappiness or a kind of idiosyncrasy or something that elevates you above the level of mere remake or mere ripoff rather because otherwise you're just you know hollow pastiche so what would you have to have either a visuals b script something anything and this i mean if we're gonna go on script alone if we're gonna go on script alone then i could like dial this back and go to beyond the black rainbow and be like well this movie's a piece of shit because it has no script this movie has no script. I will say that, but it is no. It's visually memorable. I'm not discussed. I'm not just like. But and here's the thing, though, with Beyond the Black Rainbow is that it dilutes those influences just enough for it not to be just a straight rip off of something else. Because as you're ripping, as you're watching Beyond the Black Rainbow, you're getting some Carpenter vibes, some Kubrick vibes, uh, some Argento vibes, whatever Everybody it may be. Vibes. <laughs> when you're watching Doomsday, right off the bat, you're like fuck, I'd rather be watching Escape from New York because it's just Escape from New York. See, okay, so, like, one of the things that I feel that helps me in If I wrote a movie, movie, if I wrote a movie where there was an opening sequence and I did, a, like, a master shot of a diner, then we went inside the diner and it was a two-shot of two people talking to each other, and then they held up the diner, I gotta do something to make sure people don't think of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, but, okay, so... One of the things that I think helps me in particular is the fact that, like, I like I haven't seen Escape from New York in, like, forever. Boo! I, I know. See, like, th- that's the thing. Like, the carpenter I'm most comfortable and familiar with is not, like, that carpenter. Which carpenter would it be? Like, horror carpenter. Not, like, action thriller carpenter? I mean, like, I don't know, like... What's your line on Big Trouble in Little China? I've okay, so uh, fun fact of the day, which I feel like I've told you before, but um, I, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty positive I've told everybody. I've never seen Big Trouble in Little China. No. Yeah, I swear. It's really good though. You should check it out. Yeah, I know everybody says so, and Michelle's always like, "I love Kim Cattrall in Big Trouble in Little China," and everyone else is like, "Kim Cattrall so bad in Big Trouble in Little China." She's pretty bad in Big Trouble in Little China. I know, but I, I'm kind we've of. Had, we've had this discussion once before, once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. But like the like the carpenter I'm most like comfortable and familiar with like is, you know, the thing, Halloween, the fog, uh, even technically in the mouth of madness, which I fucking think is magnificent and totally underrated. Um, I guess that's the like, problem. Just like emulating someone who's like really fucking good at their job. Like John Carpenter is such a master, and George Miller is such a master that any impersonation. Just looks kind but of see, like that's like another thing for me. Like the only George Millers I've seen are like non Mad Max movies and like two out of four Mad Max movies, and I barely remember one of them. Yeah, this movie doesn't exactly rip off like Lorenzo's Oil or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's not Babe Pig in the City. Like exactly. <laughs> it's not Happy Feet. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> if it were, I don't think this movie would have pulled it off. Because what? what because what if like from what I, I haven't seen Babe Pig in the City, but what? like or I, or you know a death. Have you I'm, not seen Babe Pig in the City? What's I don't know. May, maybe I saw it when I was a kid and I've forgotten that I've seen it, but I don't remember having seen it. Dude, you should. But, but from what I understand, that movie happens in like a, 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 a like a 
like a nightmarish hellscape of a city that combines like seven cities, right? Wait, what? Babe? Babe 2. No, I don't remember Babe. Oh, wait. Hold on, which Babe did he make? The first one or the second one? He directed the second one. He only wrote the first one. Okay, that's right. Shit. Hold on, I'm trying to think. Because <laughs> my brain is mixing up Babe movies. Uh, <laughs> There's only two, so... I know, but like... There's one that was shot by the dude who shot Lord of the Rings, and the other one is like in a fucking industrial nightmare. I mean, I remember, like, it being, like, a, I don't want to say, like, a big city, but, like, a mishmash of seven cities, you said? Yeah, like, you know, there's, like, bits of New York, and there's bits of, like, Sydney and whatever. I mean, I feel like I wasn't, like, nearly aware enough when I saw this movie the last I mean, time that could be. to, like... <laughs> All I'm saying is that... <laughs> whatever. It, it's no I'm Witches saying, of Eastwick, either. It's, it's no, um... Uh, fuck, what else did George Miller direct? Um... um that Twilight Zone segment, which is like the right. best segment in Twilight Zone. I love that fucking. He's so good. John Lithgow is so good in it too. Um, but yeah, my point is when you emulate someone who is like an like a very precise craft, you're never going to be as good as that person. I you know. have to have something to sort of take the weight of expectations off, and this movie didn't bother. But. That said, I think this movie is a perfect showcase of why he has become, like, a good TV director. Because he has learned how to emulate other people, and he has learned how to bring that into, like, bring his own style mixed in with those people's styles. Like, for... What is his style? His style is, like, you know, second-rate John Carpenter. I mean... Second rate, John Carpenter. You're so mean. Well, I mean, uh, I say that no, obviously. I I, this is my only evidence. You say that, yeah. Part. Seeing one fucking movie. Um, no, I actually think uh, his his Hannibal episode in particular. It's the introduction to Red Dragon. So the entire first half of season three is essentially, or more than half uh, of season three is essentially just Vincenzo Natale and the other directors just ripping straight from like pure 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 italian cinema like that's 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 all it is like it's shameless about it and then you get this intro to the great uh the red dragon and it's so 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 shockingly different but still within the same aesthetic that has made hannibal such a great horror show but, like, I don't know how to explain it because you have to see it. But it also, like, it distinguishes itself from other Red Dragon presentations like, you know, Red Dragon and Manhunter. Manhunter, without... Michael Mann. You know, the best yeah. fucking That movie, movie. is dope. It's fantastic. But, um, and it's all, like. Michael it's... Mann's another guy, by the way, who doesn't work really well in, like, wide open spaces. Not he's really, he's really He's really good at close stuff, like shallow focus. He uh, is. So is uh, arguably so is so is Neil Marshall. I mean, I mean, if 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 the descent is as good as everyone says it is, and if it's as claustrophobic as everyone says it is, my snap answer would be yes. He's much more comfortable in the sort of small confines of a smaller space. And I think that's part of why his like Game of Thrones episode works so well, because yes, there are a couple of like big sprawled out scenes, but for the most part, it's very much like it's contained like the... to like these like long passageways and like fighting within contained spaces and you know just uh conversations within rooms that's that's it's a very very tight episode 
I mean, that's good because it's not super hard to make a power shot with the Croatian landscape right behind you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I could do a power shot of the Croatian landscape. Anyone could. Pretty much. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, whatever. I, I like the movie overall. I, this, uh, I this movie was a, a lot of fun. I thought this was a whole series of like missed opportunities and just the swings and misses, if you will. Yeah, I like. I wouldn't call it a great movie by any means, but I think it's a good movie. I well, I well, it's a it's, step down from from the descent, but it's an interesting look at how he transitioned into working on television and particularly working in procedural shows at one point. It sounds like we're already here, so we might as well, you know, go with a final judgment. Yeah, I figured we were about like done. We've gone through most of the plot and whatnot. Yeah. I just <laughs> also, like I really want to say I wish the actress of this was in more things because I really like her. Uh, Rona Mitra? Yeah, she has a nice face. And She's just nice. probably the best thing about this movie. She really is. No, that's not true. The face makeup on that one girl who gets her head chopped off is awesome. Well, if by awesome you mean tacky as shit, sure, but okay. It's yeah. just a matter of taste. It is a matter of taste. Whatever. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So I give it a fresh. You give it a rotten. I give it a rotten. I mean, this like I I keep imagining like the five million dollar version of this directed by someone else, which is never a good sign. Okay, well, I imagine this version, which I like. <laughs> uh, no, this this is clearly a movie that had too much money, because, I mean, this would have thrived as like a, a lower budget picture, as a lower budget genre movie. And I think a, it could have been better, but. Like, here's the thing. This movie could have just been them going in the wall and them coming out. I mean, like, we could have kept, like, the frame story, but, you know, we didn't need all of that. I mean, there's a lot of bloat in this movie, I find. I guess. And it's kind of toothless as, like, a political allegory, too. It's like, oh, the government is bad. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, it sure. doesn't necessarily try to be that. I mean, it, it invariably has to be because, it, like, every movie is political, right? Yeah. Even even apolitical movies are political. And, yes. you know, movies are like sniveling leaders of state who are like, we have to make tough decisions that are best for, like, for the long haul, which end up being completely and totally wrong. Get in line. What's next? Give me another. Moving on. It's recommendation time. And I think yes, it's my it turn is. to go you first. go ahead. I am going to recommend a movie from the late 80s starring Bob Hoskins, who's also in this movie. It's called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, that's a good choice. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, directed by Robert Zemeckis and Richard Williams in the animated sequences. This is this movie is this movie is like almost thirty years old. Probably still the best example of live action melding with cartoons. It is the best example. There's no doubt about it at all. It is a colorful, whacked out tune noir. Christopher Lloyd's in it. Great performance by Christopher Lloyd in this movie. Absolutely. It's just straight up the best. It's a really it good is. movie. I'm sure you've seen this one when you were a kid. Go back and watch it. You'll be surprised how well it holds up. Who I framed actually Roger saw Rabbit? it on 35mm recently. You lucky dog. Yeah, there were like two scenes just straight up missing from the reel though. <laughs> it was a it was a it was like by far one of like the most like the messiest films i've ever seen on 35 like a dirty print or like a... yeah like a really fucked up print like but it was more fun that way almost 
Yeah, well, it kind of lends a grindhouse feel to it, although it is yeah. friend Roger Rabbit. It's not like you're watching like Last House on the Left or something. Exactly. But yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That movie is great, and you should rewatch it because you've probably already watched it. Yes, I I stand by this this recommendation. So, what do you got? I have got a very different movie, uh, <laughs> which is an incredibly colorful and very steeped in aesthetic movie, uh, which is technically a, a sort of sci-fi movie. I mean, um, it's, I but mean, not really. It's it like involves, that's being generous. It involves like futuristic races. <laughs> yes, it involves car chases, and that's going to be my string. And it was also in 2008, and <laughs> that movie is um, Speed Racer. Speed Racer! By the fantastic Wachowski siblings. Yeah, so this is... I, I missed the boat on this one. Because I, I still have not seen movie. Speed Racer. I remember that I got a critical drubbing whenever it came out, but it's gotten sort it's of like a stupid. It's gotten a like critical a rehabilitation. reevaluation. Yeah, uh, it's so it's so it's so it's so like it, this movie is one thousand percent just aesthetic, uh, and like <laughs> it's just such a fun, ridiculous movie, and you can tell that. They were having like Lana and Andy were having so much fun making it, and so was everybody else. Like, I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like people people hate on it a lot because like, oh, it's not the anime, but like, it was never going to be, and that's okay. Who's like, in it's that? Super, I know super. John Goodman's in it. I know uh, Christina Ricci's in it. Emil Hirsch and uh, Matthew Fox and Susan Sarandon. <laughs> what a weird cast. I know, but I love it because, like, I can absolutely imagine like John Goodman and Susan Sarandon giving birth to both Christina Ricci and and Emil Hirsch. Yeah, like, it's pretty it good casting, you gotta say. Yeah, and then like Matthew Fox's Racer X is just it's just right. <laughs> Does Matthew Fox just play like just assholes all the time? More or less, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. But yeah, it's a really fun movie. Um, I just, I really love, I love all of their movies. I, I mean, in fairness, I haven't seen like the Matrix sequels since they came out in theaters, so I don't know how I'd feel about them now. But my um, feeling is that they would be not great, but okay. Yeah, if I rewatch them, like I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna like them, which is why I'll do it eventually. But I love everything they do, especially their new series, Sense Eight, which is fantastic and finally got a. Oh, uh, sorry, that's them. Excited. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's Speed Racer is my recommendation for the week. So a couple of very colorful, very weird movies. Yup. So we got a movie to watch for the show in two weeks. Oh my god, what's the movie it's to watch for next pick. week? It's time to get classy up in this joint, my friend. Oh my god, that's amazing. We are going to watch a movie by a bonafide all-time auteur. We're going to watch a Jean-Luc oh Godard movie on the pod, man. Oh my god, it's amazing. Yep. We are going to watch Jean-Luc Godard's Sympathy for the Devil. His documentary following of the Rolling Stones, which was released in 1968. If you're interested in our long-form film criticism, you can go to our website, Dim the House Lights, which is at dimthehouselights.com. Uh, there you'll find uh, both of our long-form work, along with the work of several other writers, including Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, Ross Burks, and Carl Harris. You can find us both on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, I'm at both places at Derek underscore G. Juan's at both places 
at Woah It's Juanito. That's W O A H It's Juanito altogether. If you're interested in this pod specifically, our website is at sitmwipodcast.tumblr.com. There you'll find our archives, our link to our iTunes show page, our RSS feed, links to our Twitters, our Letterbox account. You can also find Juan's work at the Miami New Times. You can find my work at my portfolio blog, which is montrealschlockcity.com. That's Montreal, S-C-H-L-O-C-K, city.com. Got anything else, man? No, that's all. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for listening to our show, and we will see you in two weeks. Woo!